um, to move into your discussion questions. We're gonna, you're welcome to linger after service. You're welcome to take those home with you tonight, but we're gonna um, go ahead and go right into our message tonight and share about that. So my husband Dave and I were so excited a couple weeks ago we got to go on a vacation um, and we were so privileged to be able to go on a vacation to Hawaii to the island of I still don't know if I'm saying this properly Jules you'll have to teach me if it's Kauai or Kauai because I felt like I heard it both ways the whole time I was there. Um, but this beautiful, small island in Hawaii. And it was so funny when we were planning this trip because I found airfare for just this incredible price and we had some miles to take care of our, our room. And I said to Dave, because we've been married for 18 years now, and I was like, let's go on a vacation. Like, let's go on a vacation. And I said, let's go for 10 days. And he goes, <gasps> and I literally thought the guy was going to have a small heart attack right there. And I'm like, 10 days, babe. Like, that's, that's vacation. Like, that's normal for people. And he's like, I, I don't know. And he's like wiping his hand, you know. And I'm like, is that? stressing you out to go away for that long of a time. And he's like, I, I just, I don't know. And um, I said, okay, all right, all right. It's okay. We don't have to go for 10 days. Like we can, we can back it down a little bit. And I, I said, babe, look at us. We've been married 18 years. We have never gone anywhere for 10 days. Like how crazy is that, that that feels like so wild and so, so crazy. And so we settled on I think six is what we ended up doing. We ended up doing six, and, and that felt doable. But even when we, we got there, like, the speed limit, you know, most places on that island is 35 miles an hour. And I would see Dave, like, just, like, I would look at the speedometer, and he's like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, it's hard to go slow. Like, it is hard to go slow. Why is it so hard to go slow? Have you ever heard of something called hurry sickness? This is a real thing. A man named Dr. Friedman was the one who originally coined the phrase hurry sickness after noticing that most of his at-risk cardiovascular patients displayed a harrowing sense of time urgency. And he named this hurrying sickness, are you ready for this? In the 1950s. In the 1950s. So how do you know if you have this up-and-coming disease? It's pretty straightforward. Um, Rosemary Sword and Philip Zimbaro, authors of The Time Cure, offer these symptoms of hurry sickness. Okay, you ready? Moving from one checkout line to another because it looks shorter or faster. 
counting the cars in front of you and either getting in the lane that has the least or is going the fastest. Multitasking to the point of forgetting one of the tasks that you were doing. Anyone? Anybody? Anyone? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's all of us. But if you still haven't bought in, I've got a self-inventory that I'm going to run through really quick. So I want to encourage you to track how many of these fit you. Number one, irritability. You get mad, frustrated, or just easily annoyed. Little things irk you. People have to sometimes tiptoe around you because you have ongoing low-grade negativity. Hypersensitivity. All it takes is a minor comment to hurt your feelings, a grumpy email to set you off, or a little turn of events to throw you into an emotional funk. Restlessness. When you actually do try and slow down and rest, you can't relax. You give Sabbath a try and you hate it. You read scripture, but you find it boring. You have quiet time with God, but you can't focus your mind. You go to bed early, but you toss and turn with anxiety. Workaholism or nonstop activity. You just don't know when to stop, or worse yet, you can't stop. Your drugs of choice are accomplishment and accumulation. Emotional numbness. You just don't have the capacity to fill another person's pain, or your own pain for that matter. Empathy is a rare feeling for you. You just don't have the time for it. Out-of-order priorities. You feel disconnected from your identity and calling. You're always getting sucked into the tyranny of the urgent, not the important. You're busier than ever before, yet you still feel like you don't have time for what really matters. Lack of care for your body. You don't have the time for the basics, meaning eight hours of sleep, daily exercise, healthy home-cooked food, minimal stimulants, margin, you gain weight, you get sick many times a year, you regularly wake up tired, you don't sleep well. You live off the four horsemen of the apocalypse, caffeine, sugar, processed carbs, and alcohol. Escapist behavior. When we're too tired to do what's actually life-giving for our souls, we turn to our distraction of choice. Overeating, overdrinking, binge-watching Netflix, browsing social media, surfing the web looking at porn, name your narcotic. Slippage of spiritual disciplines. Please don't shame yourself here when I read this. The things that are truly life-giving for your soul are the first to go, rather than your first go-to, such as quiet time in the morning, scripture, prayer, Sabbath, worship on Sunday, a meal with people that you care about, so instead of a life with God, we settle for a life with Netflix and a glass of cheap wine. A very poor substitute. Not because time wasted on TV is the great Satan, but because we rarely get done binge-watching anything or posting to social media or whatever it is and feel refreshed and ready for a new day. Isolation. You feel disconnected from God, others, and your soul. When you're with your friends, you're also on your phone or a million miles away in your mind running down your to-do list. So what's your score? How'd you do? Six, seven, nine? You're not alone. But please reject any shame you're feeling. 
That's not God's heart toward you. You are hidden with God in Christ. His posture toward you is not based on your performance, and that's not why we're doing this series. Instead, let's agree. This is the new normal in the Western world, and we need help. We need help desperately. Philosopher and Christian spiritual formation expert Dallas Willard once said, we must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. This whole series that we're starting today, titled Unhurried, is about us adopting the lifestyle of Jesus so that we can experience the life of Jesus, a life full and abundant. If hurry sickness isn't an actual medical diagnosis, it probably should be. We have got to recognize how being busy and hurrying and saying yes to everything is harming our health and is literally blocking us from being a disciple of Jesus. Author, Holocaust survivor, and hero of the faith, Corey Ten Boom, once said that if the devil cannot make you sin, he will make you busy. If the devil cannot make you sin, he will make you busy. That's truth. Both sin and busyness have the exact same effect on us, you guys. They cut off our connection to God, to other people, and even to our own soul. For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith someday. It's that we will become so distracted, so rushed, and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of our faith. It is not unusual in our lives to hear people express that their time and their schedule is something that has happened to them. I am not exempt from this myself. We have conversations all the time. You hear them going around about how important it is that our child is involved in three different sports or is on the travel team, how we had no choice but to take all the available overtime at work because we just bought that new truck and we need to be able to make the payment, how important it is to get all these things done now on our honey-do list because why? And how about adding one more thing that we want to do at the church? Because that's good, right? That's ministry. But listen, hurry is not something that happens to us, but rather this is a lifestyle that we adopt. One yes, one appointment, one sign up, one foot on the gas pedal moment at a time. No one was busier. No one had more demands on them. No one had more important things to do than Jesus. But he didn't live hurried. And he never encouraged other people to either. In fact, quite the opposite. I'm going to read from a story in a book of the Bible, one of the Gospels, the Gospel of Luke, and this is one that we're so familiar with, you guys. But I tell you what, anytime we do something we're familiar with, don't kind of tune out, but really tune in. Because God's word is life, and it's alive, 
And he always has something more for us in it. So this is Luke 10, 38 through 42. And this is what it says. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that, she, that had to be made. So she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. I love that she's bossing Jesus. <laughs> I'll just say I bossed Jesus. I bossed him. I don't know if he's listened to me, but I've tried. <laughs> and he said, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. And what was that? To sit at his feet. And it will not be taken from her. It is so easy to be distracted and fragmented when many things are after our attention isn't it? Even what is good can lose its appeal if we forget what busyness is about. And Martha seems to have been distracted by all the things she had to do that for a moment she forgot who she was doing them for. And you know, I've shied away from this story before in the past because I, I don't love this image of Make sure the home is perfect and the meal is perfect. And, and the truth is, many of us are like that, right? When we're having people over, like, don't come over unless my house is just right. Don't, don't do this unless this is clean or the yard's been mowed or whatever the case may be. Like, I can definitely find myself in that situation. But what I really want to focus on right here is that Mary and Martha were disciples of Jesus. They were followers of Jesus. And here's the thing. Their discipleship was crucial to the early church history. And Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet because she wanted to learn from him so she could follow the life of Jesus. She knew she had to grow in that, and she had to learn. And they would both go on to have an incredible mark on our Christian heritage and history. Jesus, pointing out to Martha, is recognizing that this relationship, this intimacy, this teacher-student, brother-sister, God, child of God relationship was critical. We just spent weeks learning about the love of God and how God gets to define how love looks and sounds and feels and tastes and smells. And part of that is cultivating the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And for fruit to grow, it doesn't happen overnight. Have you ever seen a fruit tree just get planted and then there's an apple? No. No. It does not happen overnight. It takes time. Love takes time. And hurry doesn't have it. 
Hurry kills. Hurry kills love. Hurry kills patience. Have you ever seen anybody that's in a hurry that's just full of patience? No, I haven't either. Hurry kills joy. Who has time to celebrate and be full of joy when you're rushing somewhere? Peace. Hurry doesn't have peace. Who feels peaceful when you're like, oh my gosh, I got to get here and then I've got to do this? Kindness? You've seen somebody really kind in a line at the store when they're in a hurry? How about self-control? Who snapped at somebody in your home because you've been in a hurry? There's not a lot of self-control there. Cultivating and growing a garden of the fruit of this nature, it takes time and it takes discipline. Our transformation, our sanctification, and and let me tell you, sanctification, that is a churchy-sounding word. I understand that. So let me tell you what it means. It literally means to be set apart for special use or purpose. That's you. To be made holy or sacred. Therefore, sanctification, being set apart, made holy as a vessel for the Lord, full of the Holy Spirit of God. This process of sanctification, it takes deliberate action on our part. We aren't passive in this process. It's us and God together. But that requires discipline on our part. And hurry, it's the great enemy of our spiritual life and our spiritual disciplines today. The reality is, and this is really hard to hear, but if we're too busy for spiritual disciplines, then we're simply too busy to be a disciple. That's not condemnation. That's just the reality of our life circumstances. We can believe in Jesus and not be following Jesus. I mean... That's, that's true. Most of the time, hurry in our lives is a sign of something else, something deeper. It usually means we're running away from something or we're running to something. We can be running from something that we don't want to deal with, like our finances or our marriage or a trauma. If we're too busy, then we get to pretend that it's all right and that we don't have to deal with it. We can just stick it over there. But we can also be running from something as simple yet complicated in our lives today as boredom. When is the last time you just literally felt bored? We don't even know what that feels like anymore thanks to our computer that we carry around in our pocket all the time. Did you know that one of the greatest ways for God to speak to us and fill us with creativity is through boredom? Do you remember when you were a kid and you were so bored 
And you'd be like, Mom, I'm so bored. You say that to me one more time, I've got a room for you to vacuum. Not bored, not bored. And then your creativity would start to get going. And pretty soon, you had plans and ideas. The other thing we do is we run two things, like more hours, more money, more, more, more. Not always bad, right? Sometimes it's really needed. Sometimes we really need to buckle down in a situation in our life, but that should be temporary, not the normal. And when it starts to become the norm, we get used to that pay raise that we acquired and we get used to a different way of life and pretty soon 60, 70 hours a week, that's what we do. Or we're running to squeeze in more sports, more opportunities for the kids. You know, we don't want to let the kids down, don't want to let the kids down. More travel because, you know, We've been so busy with the kids or at work, so let's just get one more camping trip in. Other times, it's a true learned behavior, right? Like in my house, growing up, this is what I learned. My parents worked and worked and worked. So therefore, if I wasn't working, I was being lazy. So then I didn't even know what it meant to slow down. And definitely, I didn't know what a spiritual discipline looked like or quiet time or any of the things we're going to talk about in this series. So I didn't understand. So I just always felt like if I sat down, there was something I should be doing. I didn't understand because laziness is one thing, you guys. Busyness is one thing. Being intentional with our time is entirely another This is going to be a mind shift. We're going to have to make some decisions. We're going to have to decide. Please know going into this series and what we're going to talk about, it's not an easy decision. It requires a lifestyle change, and it's something that is going to take intentionality on our part. This is not a self-help series, you guys. That's not what this is. This is our spiritual formation and our life as a disciple of Jesus that we are talking about. This is not time management or anything like that. In Mark 8, 36, it says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Let me read that again. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? This is what the world's offering you, the whole world. But many of us are too busy to follow Jesus. And Jesus is offering us life and life abundant. And it does not look like the world. It does not look like gauging which lane is the best lane and then getting mad at the other driver. It doesn't look like that, you guys. It doesn't look like no margin on our calendar because how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. 
We get one life. And how we spend our days is how we spend our life. The answer is not more time. It's what we do with our time. There is no such thing as more time. It's what we choose to do with it. We came back from Kauai and we were right back in it. We're driving on the freeway. There's some snow. We're a little, Dave's not, I am, stressed out because there's supposed to be a blizzard that night. So I'm like, oh, we're going to be driving home from the airport late at night in a blizzard. And, you know, there's street signs that are saying, be careful up ahead, the road's damaged. You know, of course it is. <laughs> there's potholes everywhere. So we're, we're just like, it's like you just get plopped right back in it. You've been going 25 to 35 miles an hour, and now you're going 70. And immediately, it's like, I've got laundry, and I've got groceries, and I've got to um, figure out my schedule for the week, and I've got Spanish class to make up, and I'm preaching on Sunday, and blah, 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 and then people I haven't spent time with want to spend time, and then I had all these other appointments, and then all of a sudden it was like, <gasps> on my time and, and my schedule. And I had to fight for my boundaries with my time. And I had to say no a lot. And I had to put, you know, little blocks here and there. And then a big, huge thing exploded. And I was like, oh, thank God. Thank God I didn't sacrifice my time with the Lord. Thank God I didn't give in because I would have been so tired and so weary. And I would have had nothing to give to that situation. I would have been run over flat as a pancake. Our spiritual disciplines, our time, our are taking time to breathe and have margin on our calendar. And thank God I had margin on my calendar to give. You guys, this is, this is not self-help. This is soul help. This is part of your sanctification. This is part of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Yes, we say yes to Jesus, but then we give him the rest of our life to transform us and sanctify us, and that is us giving our life to him. And it looks like reading the word of God, and it looks like several things we're going to talk about during this series. I'm going to invite the worship team up, and we're going to get ready to close here. But I've got some questions for you. You're going to have to decide whether or not you want to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And if it's yes then you're going to need to take an inventory of your life and identify an area where hurry is keeping you from that. Is it your work? Is it your family? Is it your hobbies? Is it your schooling? And I'm going to encourage you that you're not in so much of a hurry that you miss this series over the next few weeks. Each part is specifically put in here 
to help you adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. It's each part intentional. And if you do miss a week, make sure you take the time to listen to the message on the podcast because that particular piece might be for you. Anybody interested in the book that we've adopted this series from, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, raise your hand if you're interested in the book. Okay, that was the first hand I saw. The only requirement? Good job, Cam. Is that you read it, Cam. Is that you read it. That's my only requirement. And when you're done, maybe pass it on to someone else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Clap for him. Clap for him. <laughs> Can I pray for you guys? Yeah. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you're the greatest example in our lives, that our eyes can fix on you and we can learn and we can grow and we can be changed. God, we pray like Mary, we can be drawn to your presence. And like Martha, we can be honest about our distractions. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of our time and our attention. You are worth sitting at your feet and learning from. Lord, may this message stick with us this week as we ponder things and think about them, God. And may we learn to surrender our calendars and our decisions and our yeses and our our feet on the gas <laughs> over to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>